Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Growing Woman podcast. I am so, so excited to have you all back for another episode, and I am thrilled to be talking to today's guest. I cannot wait to get into it. Uh, But first, I just want to thank everyone for all of your support of the show. We are so thrilled to see your comments and your likes about everything, and really, it just means so, so much to me. So thank you so much. Um, I am your host, Christina Singh, and today our guest is Summer Rose and I cannot wait to talk to her. Summer Rose is the founder of Star Organizers. She was born and raised in Miami, Florida, and has been passionately organizing, which I love, for over a decade. She currently resides and works in New York City and travels to organize clients' homes all over the country. Summer not only helps you create effective strategies for your home and office, but she also helps you create effective strategies for your life. She she teaches you how to effortlessly follow these strategies so your space and your life are consistently clutter-free. Welcome, Summer, to the show. Thanks for having me. I am so, so thrilled you're here. Thank you for being here. I know that we are in the middle of a pandemic and your life has changed significantly um, and you are definitely a star organizer. We know each other through networking. And I would say you're a master networker, which I can't wait to get into. Um, But you not only would travel around the country, but around the world for your business. And what I wanted to talk about first and foremost is where are you from and where did you grow up? And um, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Sure. I was born and raised in Miami. And I lived there all my life until college. And so that's where my family is, well, most of them. And my parents are still in the same house they've been in for about 22 years. (laughs) That's so great. Um, So when you were growing up in Miami, um, is it safe to say that you're like the majority of your hub is in Miami right now? No, actually, it's not. Tell me more. I was really fortunate to have been raised in a personal development world where I got to travel to seminars all around the world for many, many years since the age of six. And I got to meet people from all different cities, all different countries, all different cultures. And because of that, I have friends and people who I feel like they're family to me all over the world. So I would say most of my connections are actually not in South Florida. I do have a lot of connections there and I have a lot of family there and most of my immediate family is there, but many of my friends, they're spread out everywhere. So for those of you who don't know Summer, I know this about you, but from the age of six, you have been thrust into the personal development world. What does that mean and how did that happen? My parents took me to a Tony Robbins seminar when I was a child, and I really loved it. So we volunteered together around the world at different events. And then at the age of 12, I started traveling without my parents to go volunteer at these seminars around the world. So I convinced them that in seventh grade, they would allow me to fly to Chicago and go to this event without them. How did you convince them? (laughs) Well, I asked them 
what all of their objections were. And then one by one, I overcame every single objection until there were no objections left. And when I asked them for their list of objections, I said, okay, so is that all of them? Those are the only reasons I can't go, right? Just these 20 reasons. And they said, yep, that's all the reasons. And I said, okay, you're sure. These are the only reasons. And they said yes. And so then I overcame every single one and then they had no more reasons and they weren't allowed to make any more up because that's, they said that was it. So they had to let me go. Um, I also know that your dad's a lawyer, right? Yes. <laughs> so I feel like he taught you well. Too. He did. <laughs> so when you're 12, I mean, from the, for six years, you're going around with your parents to all of these um, professional development seminars and traveling the world. And obviously that had such a huge impact on your life and your childhood. Um, and obviously from what I can see, since just knowing you, you're such a natural connector. Um, what happened between the ages of six and 12? And then when you were out on your own, what was the difference? So between six and 12, I was still going to these events, but less frequently. And I was going with my parents and so they were always there, which was great because I love spending time with my parents and I would get to meet a ton of people. And I still have all these friends of mine who are much older than I am because they've known me since I was six and they were adults, but now we're very close friends, which is wonderful. And they've known me my entire life. So they're like family to me. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many six-year-olds are at personal development seminars uh, across the, I mean, I could be totally wrong, but it seems like you really had a knack for it. So when you, um, obviously these were a huge impact on you. And when you're 12 and you're going to your first seminar alone, do you remember that? I do. I remember what was that vividly. like? It was to Chicago and I flew with a friend of mine because my parents wanted me to fly with an adult that they knew. So I had one of my friends who lived in Naples, which is a few hour drive away from mm. where my parents lived. And she drove all the way down to South Florida on the East Coast. And she flew out of Fort Lauderdale Airport with me because that was important to my parents that I had some kind of guardian traveling with me. Right. So she came and that was great. And then I had other adult friends that my parents had met before who I shared a hotel room with because at the time, I mean, if you're under 18, you can't get a hotel room. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I needed that. I, this was also before the days of 12-year-olds having cell phones, so I didn't have a cell phone. Right. So I had to give my parents a list of all these people's contact info and how to reach everybody and all of the event information, and I just had a blast. It was one of the most fun trips ever. And was this a Tony Robbins seminar? It was. So what happened from there? So you go to your first one and I feel like it's, you just kept going from there, right? Yeah. So then every other month or so I was on a plane to another city, to another seminar, whether it was Tony Robbins or T.R. Becker or other speakers in the personal development world, the Steve Linder seminar, no matter what it was, I was hopping on a plane and traveling across the country to go to this event. And your parents were obviously funding this for you and no, they, were, no. they weren't. So how was that happening? No babysitting money. Really? Wow. Yeah. So you invested so, your money in that? Yes, I did. My parents did not fund my travel. I paid for it myself with the money I'd earned through babysitting and through life coaching. So in middle school, I got certified in NLP, which is neuro-linguistic programming and timeline therapy and hypnotherapy. 
And so I became a life coach at a very young age. And I was coaching adults who didn't know that I was not an adult. And Over the phone? Have, yes. Wow. So, I mean, what? obviously that shows like your maturity at a very young age to be able to go to these seminars, learn so much and take this on. What were you doing? I mean, your peer, were your peers kids your age or were they always older? Most of them were older. I had some friends my age, but the majority of my friends when I was a teenager were in their thirties and forties and fifties. What did that teach you? It taught me that age is just a number and that it doesn't matter and you can get along with people any age and having a bunch of friends who were so much older than I was and who had lived so much longer and so much more life. They had experienced business, they'd experienced relationships, they'd experienced uh, a lot of learnings. I got to learn from all of their experiences. So that made my life easier because instead of having to go through all those hardships, I could learn from their mistakes (laughs) and use that in my life. So I didn't have to always go through those scenarios. Did you ever feel like you missed out on like being a kid or was this just your, your love? I don't think I missed out on being a kid. I didn't have so many friends who were my age growing up. I did have a handful, but not too many, but I don't feel like I missed out on being a kid because what's being a kid about, it's about having fun and doing what you love. And that was what I loved. And that was fun for me. Right. Right. No, I love that so much. And I love that. I mean, what is so great is that your parents gave you this opportunity. They didn't shelter it. They didn't, you know, say absolutely not, you know, even given, even if you had all of these solutions to their objections, they still could have said, absolutely not. No, no, we're not doing this, but they didn't. And they gave you this opportunity. Um, Has that been consistent with your parents in your life? Like, have they just always kind of like let you do that? And what has that taught you? They've given me the freedom to make my own decisions. They give me guidance. They give me support and it's unwavering support and unconditional love. And they allow me to make my own choices. And they've taught me to have the belief that I could do anything I want, anything that I set my mind to and that I can accomplish anything. And they're always there if I have questions or if I need support, but they also allow me a lot of freedom to learn from life itself. Yeah. So I think of you very much and through just hearing what you're saying right now as a very yes person, like you say yes to a lot of things and just knowing you uh, and seeing you in how you connect with people, um, you are very much a yes person and you come from a place of yes. So did that come from these experiences where you just open to them? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) set you up good for that one (laughs) and how did that evolve were there have there been moments where you've been really anxious and like oh gosh I don't want to do something or I'm too scared or fearful for for that there have been things that have been fearful in my life but that's not the predominant emotion that I choose to live in Mm -hmm. I don't live in a state of anxiety I don't live in a state of fear but there are moments where I feel that I'm human Yeah, of course. When you're feeling that when you're younger, if if you were, you know, going into these spaces where you were, I mean, you're very confident to be giving your parents a list of objections and then finding adults and being very resourceful. Um, 
you know, and when you're coming across people who are much older than you and telling you their mistakes or their fears or the things that um, have come through in their lives, how does that make you feel? How, how did those moments just resonate with you? I think it was pretty amazing that I got to help so many people. And that's why I traveled around the world for so many years going to all of these seminars was because I was volunteering to go help transform the lives of thousands of people around the world. So each event, I got to work with hundreds or thousands of people and see the actual transformation happen in their lives, in their body, in their relationships, in their businesses. And I got to witness that and I got to be a part of that and help make it happen. And so I know that I received so much by going to these events and learning all of this content that I just wanted to give back. So that felt really amazing to be able to have the opportunity to give back. Yeah. How does that resonate in your life now? I think I'm always looking to see how can I add value to somebody else's life, whether it's a networking connection or whether it's just a shoulder to cry on or an ear to listen or a friendship or fun to be had or however I can serve somebody, whether they need a resource, a professional that I can refer them to, or if they need a website or an idea or help with a project. I feel like I'm always there for people and Mm -hmm. if they need something, they know they can come to me and I love to be able to brainstorm with people and have fun and be creative and serve them in whatever capacity I can. I love that so much. And actually what I have down in my notes for you is helper. Like you are such a great helper and you get pure joy out of it from what I've seen. Like you genuinely love to give, you genuinely love to help people. What do you do for yourself? I do a lot for myself. I think that it's really important to fuel yourself because if you don't fill yourself up, then you have nothing to give. So one of the things I do is I dance. I love to dance. So whether that's dancing at home with an online workout class or going to a hip hop class or a jazz class or ballet class or going and dancing in the clubs when clubs were open. Uh, So I really (laughs) love that. I love to move my body and that feels really good for me. It's a form of meditation for me. It makes me feel in touch with my body, in touch with my spirituality, in touch with my sexuality, in touch with my health. And that feels really good for me. So that's one of the things that fuels me. Yoga is another thing that fuels me. So that just heals my body miraculously Mm -hmm. whenever I'm in physical pain. I know if I do a yoga class, I always feel so much better in terms of back or neck pain, shoulder pain. So I love that. I eat healthfully. I'm eating a lot of salads and good greens and good, good foods. So I think that it's important to take care of your physical health. And then for my mental health, it's surrounding myself with people positive people, good people, resourceful people, friendly people, happy people, and having that peer group, that network, those friends that you can always call on, whether it's to just laugh with, I think laughter is the best medicine. And so I think that that is one of my favorite things in the world to do. And I just love to laugh with anyone and everyone all day long. And I could do that all day long. So So I think that's important. Absolutely. I love that so much. So when you are 
younger, you're traveling around the world, you're doing all these things now, you're learning how to fulfill yourself, um, and you're staying connected with people. You are definitely that person that I think of when I'm like, who has this giant network of connections? Definitely Summer. Um, what motivates you to stay connected with people? I think it's really easy for us to lose those connections, especially if you've known somebody from you know the age of 12 and you might see them at a couple events and then you know you're friends on Facebook and time goes by. But what motivates you to remain connected to people? I think it's a natural innate gift for me to want to stay connected with everybody, to never choose to burn any bridges because you never know how those bridges are gonna help you in the future. Mm. And I think that we can always serve other people. And I've had so many people help me in my life. And it's just a cycle of giving back and constantly giving to others. And somehow you're going to receive and just knowing that that network is always there. And if I want to serve other people in the future, I have to maintain my network from the past because I want to call upon them to go help this new person I met. And that's going to help both of them. So I really love connecting two individuals who can be mutually beneficial to one another in some way. That just makes me so happy. Like that is one of my favorite things to do. And I've seen that in action for sure. And I've seen how happy that makes you. And you talked about how people have helped you in the past. So what are some moments where people have significantly helped you? So I have learned so much from all of my friends and people that I've met through seminars and through business and clients and friends. And some of them have taught me more effective sales tactics. Some of them have taught me ways on how to communicate better with people, whether that's in business or in personal relationships or in friendships. I've learned about so many different topics from personal development topics to psychology to how to help others. And so people will teach me how to teach others how to help others. And so I think it's through that I can help the most. I think that's such a beautiful lesson that you're, you're always looking how to pay it forward. So in the same vein, you start, can we walk through your career and like, cause I feel like you had this career when you're in like middle school of being a life coach. So when, I mean, and I know that's your joy and your passion, but when did you start out in the world with your career and, and getting to start organizers? How did that come about? So I've been organizing since I was five years old. I just did it for fun for family and friends. I always loved it. I would do it for neighbors, for my brothers, friends, parents. I would go into their kitchens and pantries and garages, and I would love to reorganize them. And so (laughs) when I was in middle school, people said, you know, if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. So you should really start charging and turn this into a business. So I did that while I was- In middle school. Yeah. Wow. So I was coaching and I was organizing and I was figuring out life and figuring out what made me happy and what I wanted to do. And I decided to marry the two. So I get to now use a lot of my coaching when I'm in someone's closet with them. So I really love doing that. And I decided to not 
just build the coaching practice, but to, I love organizing because I can see a tangible result. Right. So oftentimes in coaching, there's no tangible result. You can feel it. You can maybe see it in someone's eyes or in their face and they can feel the result and maybe they see other outcomes in their life shift because of that. But it's so different from being able to walk into a very cluttered home with junk everywhere and then when you're done, it's pristine, it's organized, it's tidy. You see the 50 bags of garbage that come out of there, all the bags of donation and all the junk that they clear out. It's not only something that you can feel, but you can really see it. And I right. love being able to see that. So walk me through you know, that process when you are you know, you have a new client and you walk into their space. Um, can you tell when there's a lot of emotional baggage around some items or is it something that just comes out through conversation? Maybe it's both. What does that look like? A lot of it is through questions. So I ask my clients all sorts of different questions yeah. and some of them are why now? Why haven't you done this in the past? What's such a great question. I want to know what's motivating them now. And sometimes there's emotional attachment to the items. The majority of the time there is, but sometimes there's no emotion. They were just busy or maybe it was somebody else's stuff that they got stuck with, whether they inherited it or someone moved out and they didn't take all of their stuff. And now it's sitting there in their home, cluttering their space. Uh, sometimes it's from a past relationship. Sometimes it's their own stuff that they've just had forever and they just never took the time to go through and throw things away or declutter or uh, give away stuff. So it depends on the person, but most often there is some emotional attachment to the items. So whether that's because it was a gift and they're afraid of hurting the person by getting rid of it right. or if it reminds them of a time in the past that was either happy or reminds them of a time in the past that was sad. People yeah. hold on to things for all sorts of different reasons. So I help them release the emotional attachment around the item so that they can let go of the item itself if it's something that's not serving them. I think, I mean, this is something we talk, we've been talking about in every episode of this show, but I think something that you're really talking about is you come into a space where people are very vulnerable. And they have to share that vulnerability with you. I mean, they can choose not yeah. to, but you are really asking questions that open up people to be vulnerable and have that vulnerability. When you are with someone, how do you honor that vulnerability? And how, because that is a very daunting process. Are there, can you see when somebody is not quite ready? Yeah. So most of my clients, they will usually pre-frame me entering their home by saying, don't judge me. Don't judge uh. this. Please don't judge me. I know it's really bad. And I always tell them there's no judgment here because I can't have any judgment because the minute that I have judgment for somebody or for their stuff or for their home, then I lose all ability to influence them. So there's no judgment and I promise I've seen worse. So most people, it definitely is not as bad <laughs> as they think it is yeah. because I've gone into such total disasters that 
some dirty clothes in a giant mountain pile on the floor doesn't even phase me. Yeah. And I can see beyond the challenge that's right in front of me. So I can see beyond that big pile of clutter or that closet that's overflowing or the drawer that's really messy. So I can see what's on the other side for them. Yeah. So this beautiful marriage that you've talked about of your personal development world and your love for that and your love for organizing. Um, I mean, what I can really see is this thread of vulnerability through all of it. And um, I am curious if there have been any moments with your clients that have made you feel vulnerable and overwhelmed, or maybe you're feeling like, I don't know if I can take this on, or I want to be here in this super strong way for this person right now. Do you have that internal struggle sometimes? I don't think I feel that. I do feel vulnerable sometimes in terms of a client shares an experience from their past with me and I can relate to it. So then I'll open up and share an experience from my past. So I'm vulnerable with them in that way, but I don't ever walk into a situation and feel like I can't take on this job or it's too much or I can't help them. Yeah. So when you first started out organizing you're in middle school and your company's growing, um, was there a natural progression that just happened and how did that happen? So I just did it on the side a little bit. I wasn't really crazy hustling and trying to build this big business or a big brand around it. I just did it on the side while I was still traveling, while I was going to seminars and learning and constantly growing and meeting new people, traveling for fun. And I went to college right after high school. Mm -hmm. And throughout college, I was still going to seminars and traveling. And I would do a little bit of organizing here and there. But I wasn't really trying to build the business while I was in school. Right. And then as soon as I graduated, I moved to New York. And I love this city so much. And I figured there's no better place in the world. I had a friend who met a man who lived in New York and she said, I hate New York. I don't want to live there, but I love this man and I really want to marry him and be there. So I'm going to move there. And I, and she said, Summer, will you please move to New York and be my only friend in New York? (laughs) And I said, absolutely. I had always loved New York city. I'd spent a lot of summers there with another friend who lived in the city And I knew I had quite a strong network in New York already. And I thought there's no better place than Manhattan where apartments are small, space is at a premium, and people need to learn how to efficiently organize their space. And there were millions of potential clients for me here. How old were you? This was right when I graduated college. So I was 22. Wow. So you moved to New York and you start organizing here. So I moved to New York and I decided to expand my organizing up in New York. And the goal was to grow the business in the city. And I started working for a tech startup full time because rent is expensive in Manhattan. And (laughs) (laughs) yeah, so I needed to make sure that I had certainty in my income that I could sustain a comfortable lifestyle and pay my bills. So I went into the job interview and I told them I'm growing this organizing business on the side. I'm going to be doing this and working towards it. And I said, as soon as I feel like I can sustain my living from organizing alone, then I'm going to leave this company. 
And they said yes and hired me anyway. Wow. That's great. They were very supportive. It was a phenomenal company. I really enjoyed working there. And then the time came for me to leave and do organizing full time. So in 2015, that's when I parted ways with that company and just focused on organizing. So when you had this conversation with this company, I mean, they could have said like, okay, no, thank you. Like we're, we're good. What made you confident enough to say that? Was it just this like passion that you had for your company and this like vision that you knew was there? So I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And I also knew that I wanted to be honest with them Yeah. and I didn't want to hide anything. I didn't want to pretend. I knew that I was going to leave work in the evening sometimes and go organize a closet at night. I knew I was going to do it on the weekends and I was going to do it as much as possible until I couldn't do both jobs at the same time. Right. I also knew I had a lot of value to add to this company that I was going to learn a lot there which I did, mm-hmm. and that I was going to have a lot of fun there, which I did. I was going to meet great people, which I did. Yeah. And I knew how much value I had to add to that company that I was so certain that I was going to get this job, that I wanted to be transparent with them. I love that lesson so much because you, I think that's such a great thing for every person listening to remember. If you know you're going to be adding value to a space that really, you know, then you don't have those like blocking moments. You can really be confident in what you're saying and what you're doing. If you know your value and know that you're going to add value and that you're going to learn. I've had those experiences in interviews where I've been like, oh, I would be great here. And I think that really emphasizes your experience and how you give an impression to a certain group of people. How has the uh, adding your your adding of value really influenced all of these other aspects of your of your life, you know, with connections and everything. Do you go in knowing like I'm going to add value here? Absolutely, I think that's a theme in my life for sure. Yeah. yeah, that's really great. So you joined this company and you said you learned a lot. So what did you learn? I learned all about the tech world. I didn't really know much about it. So I was thrown into the tech industry. I worked in project management for a little bit, decided that wasn't really for me. So then I moved into management of marketing and communications. And that was a really cool experience. I learned about CRMs and newsletters and blogs and how to write HTML code for websites. And a lot of it I taught myself and I Googled and a lot of it I learned from my coworkers. And it was such a great team environment. I learned about social media marketing. I learned about partnerships and all sorts of different technologies and how they work together and how they could work together. I learned about being creative, about video editing. I mean, there were so many things that I learned in my time there and it was such a valuable experience. That's so great. So when you, um, when the time comes for you to go out on your own, like you said you were going to in that first interview, what did that look like? I know that you wanted to grow your business in New York, um, but what did that look like when you left that job? So I left that job in October and I was getting more clients in New York, but I was also getting more clients all around the country. 
because mm-hmm. I had grown that network around the country. I had people referring me who also had a network around the country because they had also been traveling to seminars as well. So they had friends who lived in different cities and they referred me to those friends. So I found myself traveling a lot more and it got to the point where it was silly to keep paying Manhattan rent to almost <laughs> never be in Manhattan. Right. So, so I went road for two years. You went rogue? Is that what you said? No, I, I went on the road. Oh, on the road. <laughs> yeah. um, I got rid of my apartment. I lived out of my suitcase for two years and I traveled and I was in a new city every other week or every month. And I would just go from city to city and I would post on Facebook and tell my network where I was and said, who needs organizing? This is the city I'm in. Or if you want organizing, you can fly me out to your city. And I just wow. traveled and organized around the country. How did that help grow your networking, your business? It certainly strengthened the connections that I had because every client that I work with, whether they're a friend or whether they're a stranger who becomes a client, they end up becoming a friend and they end up becoming a good connection. Because when we're in somebody's closet, especially if we're doing their entire home, It can be many hours together of a lot of emotional work and a lot of hanging out and I would stay in their home with them. So I would have dinner with them. I would wake up and have breakfast with them. Wait, you would live there? Yes. Oh my gosh. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. For either a few days or a week at a time while I was doing their home, however long it took. So the bigger their house was, the more messy it was, the longer I stayed. And Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So I actually prefer staying with clients. So in New York, that's not really a thing because rarely do people have a spare bedroom or a guest room. But when you're in a house in California or Florida or North Carolina, they do have guest rooms. So they put me up in their guest room. I had some clients who chose to put me in a hotel. And I also had a lot of friends who lived in different cities. So if a friend lived nearby to a client, sometimes I would stay with a friend. Yeah. But I really preferred to stay with the family that I was working with because it helped me understand them better. It helped me figure out how to better organize their home for them and their lifestyle and their family. And I would get to know them and I would get to wake up with them, have breakfast, see their routine, watch them come home from work, watch whatever strategies they already had been running and had been conditioned in for so long. I would see how their kids would act, where their kids would put stuff or throw things, which ones were messy, which ones were tidier. I would watch how the family communicated, especially around yelling at each other to clean up or not. And so it really helped me be able to help them and give them more coaching and help figure out better solutions for the entire family. I mean, what a lesson in trust for you, like for on their side, like they're trusting you to come into their home and like observe their lives. Like, were there any moments of tension that you had to deal with during that process? There were certainly times where I witnessed fights between spouses or fights with a parent and a child or with children with each other. Uh, I would overhear phone calls with family members, especially if I was doing an estate. A lot of times there's family Mm -hmm. drama that comes with that lot of family disputes so sometimes there was a little bit of tension in the home yeah it wasn't directed towards me I would just be a witness to it how I mean how did you handle that just for yourself or like you know you're kind of in the background like hey I'm over here just organizing your home and your life Uh, how would you handle that 
So sometimes I would stand back and observe, and sometimes I would ask them ahead of time if I had permission to coach them. So sometimes people want that coaching and sometimes they don't. Sometimes people don't want any coaching, but they just want you to teach them how to fold their clothes and where to put stuff under the sink. And that's totally fine if that's what they want. But the majority of my clients, they welcomed the coaching and they wanted the advice and the tips and communication strategies. Right. They're like, please don't like change my life. I just want to put this bottle of 409 away. Like, <laughs> and you're like, let's change your life. <laughs> well, I think that's really beautiful. And I mean, again, what a lesson in trust and like what a trust process for you to go into somebody's house and not know what it's going to be like, what sort of energy you're facing. How do you, I mean, how do you protect your energy when you're going into people's homes? Like, how do you take care of that energy? That's a great question. I don't know that there's anything specific I do to protect my energy. I think it's just going in really open and open to whatever is going to happen. And I've always felt pretty safe. So thank goodness I've never had any situation where I went into a home and felt unsafe uh, or felt like it was a dangerous situation. I, most of my clients come from referrals. So even if I don't know them directly, they're a friend of a friend or a friend of a client. So I feel like I can trust that person that they're not some crazy murderer, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But it, it was a concern for some people when they found out what I do, they would say, well, how do you know that this isn't some stranger who's gonna harm you when you go into their home? And I think it's just having the trust that I have really strong intuition. And if I feel like it's not a good situation, I'll remove myself from the situation, but I haven't had to do that. Yeah. I I mean, I'm grateful that you haven't had to do that either. And I think it's great that you said you go in being very open and open to the experience because I think people can feel that. And I'm a very, like, I'm a very empathetic person, Stephanie, and I have talked about this on our prior episode where when we go into a space, we can feel a lot of things and Um, I think it's great that you have that openness about you. And I think that is what draws a lot of people to you is that people know that they can come talk to you, know that they can come connect with you. Um, And you're very resourceful, like I said. So you were traveling across the country and I met you when you came back to New York. So what drove you back to New York City? I was organizing other people's closets every day and I didn't have a closet of my own. And I really missed that. I really love hosting friends in my apartment for dinner parties or having out-of-town guests when they have a long layover or they're in town for a business trip. And that was one of the things I really loved about living in New York City. And I really just missed the city. I missed the energy of it. I missed the fast-pacedness of the city. I missed the people. I really wanted to be back in New York. So Mm -hmm. I decided that I was going to move back and get another apartment and really work to grow my business in the tri-state area and Mm -hmm. specifically in New York City. So what has happened to your business now that you've really made that dedication to stay in this one place and really grow this area? So the first year that I moved back, I doubled my income. Wow. And that was due to all of the networking that I did in New York. So joining several networking groups, working really hard to build relationships with great referral partners and gain 
other referrals from past clients. So mm-hmm. that was amazing. And my business has just grown every year since. Yeah. I would love to hear any tips you might have around networking because you do a lot of it. And I know that's been, like you just said, such a meaningful part in growing your business. So why is networking so important to you? And if people are not super familiar with it and like a little intimidated by it, what can you tell them and what kind of tips can you give them? Sure. So There are a lot of different ways to network. You can join a formal organization like the one that we're a part of, which is BNI, Business Network International. There are other organizations like the Chamber of Commerce, which I'm also a member of. And there are several other formal groups like that. There are also informal happy hours and networking events. You can find events on Eventbrite or Meetup. Those are really great resources. And you have to find the group of people that really speaks to you and that you enjoy networking with. So I visited tons of networking groups all around the city until I really found one that I loved. And I was actually really fortunate that the first real one that I visited was the one I fell in love with. But to be sure that I was in love with it, I did go and visit a whole bunch of others and I realized there was nothing like the first one. So no, um, there's not, (laughs) not to toot our own horn, but it's pretty great. (laughs) It's a really special group of people. Yeah. And that really fit for me and my personality and my business. It may not fit for everyone. Right. There might be people who they feel like they vibe better with a different group of people or a different format. You have to figure out, are you a morning person or a night person or an evening person Do you prefer online meetings? Do you prefer in-person meetings? How do you like to network? Do you want a more formal setting with an agenda or do you want an informal happy hour? For me, I'm not a morning person at all. I'm very much a night owl, but I knew how important it was to grow my business. So I wake up early every Tuesday morning to go to my networking meeting because it was that great. So I had to shift my body clock and my schedule a little bit for just that one day a week. But if that's not going to work for your lifestyle and that's not going to feel good to you, like I was getting enough reward out of it that I was willing to wake up early. But if that doesn't feel good for you, then find an evening group. Yeah. And I also think if that doesn't feel good for you, go to different events. You have to keep trying things out. You know, you can't, I think a lot of people when they find something that might, that they're supposed to do or they should do, they join and then they you know, run scared or it's not the right fit. And there's all this shame and guilt that comes with it. And I think what you're saying is spot on, like test the waters. Do, you know, you were very fortunate, like you said, to find a group that really fit you or to connect with people in the way that really fit you. And I think that's been a thread in your life, actually. Like you have been doing things that make you happy and you have found those things in these very fortunate ways and you continue on with them. And what makes you happy drives you, which I think is something that's really beautiful about you because what genuinely makes you happy is connection with people from what I'm seeing and what I know of you. Um, And that's come at a very young age. I think I want to ask you what your advice would be to parents who might have a kid like you, who might want to run around and connect with people. And that can maybe be daunting for parents sometimes what would your advice be? 
I would say be open to it and find out, find ways that your child can do this that are obviously safe. So if they're running around with strangers that you don't know and it's not a safe environment or you don't know these people, like I'm not saying go let your six-year-old join a Harley Davidson bikers gang. (laughs) (laughs) That may not be the right solution. (laughs) Maybe it is. (laughs) But give them the opportunity to meet different people, experience different things. So maybe that's signing up for a sport or for a hobby and then meeting people who have like interests and then they can bond with that group. Maybe it's a sleepaway camp. Maybe it's a traveling sports team. Something that allows them the opportunity to meet lots of individuals in different places. Maybe it's volunteer work. Maybe it's going to a soup kitchen and learning about new people and seeing people from different walks of life and different cultures. Maybe it's volunteering at a different type of organization, giving back to the community. I think that's a really great way for a kid to learn gratitude for what they have and for their life. And it's a great way for them to experience contribution and growth and meeting new people as well who are very growth and contribution minded. Yeah. I mean, and thank goodness your parents were open like that and you have this beautiful connection in your life that makes you happy and these beautiful connections that really drive you and move you forward. Um, To wrap up, I want to talk about organizing our lives during a pandemic and (laughs) what you've been noticing from people. Because you have this great connection, because you're always pivoting, finding new ways to connect with folks, what are you seeing right now? What are some things that are coming up for people? So I think right now we have a really unique opportunity that we are staying home and we have so much more time than we ever had before. Now, some of us can feel a lot busier than we've ever been because life is really different. But if we really looked at our schedule, just the time we save commuting anywhere, let alone just commuting to work, the time we save by not going to birthday parties and dinners and friends' homes and other events, that time alone is so much extra time that we've now gained. And time is one of the excuses that a lot of people use in terms of why they are not organized. They don't have time to get organized. They don't have time to declutter their closet. Well, now people have the time. So I would say use your time wisely. and take advantage of this opportunity. And a lot of people, most of us are working from home right now. And it's a much different feeling to work from a cluttered home than to work from a serene decluttered home. And so it feels much better. You're much more productive. You can get more done. The energy is way different. You'll sleep better. You'll have more energy. It will improve your relationships with those you live with. There are so many great benefits to getting organized. And so now is really the time to do that. And if people are overwhelmed by that, I would say pick one room and start there. So don't look at your entire big messy house. Instead, pick a room or pick a section of the room, pick a closet, pick a drawer, pick a shelf and start there. Chunk it down into bite-sized digestible pieces to make it easier for you to handle. Mm-hmm. Because what I'm hearing you say is really investing in your space is investing in yourself. Yeah. And you're taking that time to invest in, your sp- in yourself and grow 
Um, I think that's really beautiful. And if people are having a hard time with that and they need a little bit of help from you, where can they find you? They can visit my website, starorganizers.com or email me at summer at starorganizers.com. And if they want to go through their closet, they can download a free paper on the five simple steps to organizing and decluttering your closet. And so that's just on the homepage of my website and they can check it out there. And if they need tips, there's the blog or social media. I'm posting articles and all sorts of tips and they can find them there. Beautiful. I love it. I love that in your bio, it says you are organizing passionately. You're passionate about organizing and you certainly are. So as we wrap up, is there anything about organizing that you are most passionate about? What is that one thing? I think that it's after you're done organizing, it's that feeling that you get. I have some clients where we pop a bottle of champagne when we're done (laughs) or we'll light sparklers and we'll just enjoy that space. We sit back, kick our heels up and stare at that beautiful closet. It's such an amazing feeling. And I love hearing my clients a week later or a year later saying, my place is still tidy. It's still organized. I can still get dressed in my walk-in closet. People are amazed that I've maintained it this way. Because once you know how to where everything goes and how to put things away, then it becomes much easier to maintain your space in that way. Right. And so most people, they don't need me back again once we've organized their place because now they have the system, they know where everything goes and tidying up takes 10 minutes. It doesn't take months. Right. Well, do it now, folks. Clean your space, invest in yourself. Summer, thank you so much for being here and for taking the time to talk about your journey. It's been wonderful to learn more about you. And I hope our listeners have learned a lot about your resilience and your connection and just this passion that you have for helping others. I certainly love that about you. So I hope they can learn to love that as well about you throughout this episode. Thank you for inviting me, Christina. Of course. Uh, if you want to find Grown Woman, Grown Woman look, Growing Women podcast, you can find us on SoundCloud and on YouTube and then on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so, so much for being here, Summer. Bye. <laughs>